Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey there. Thank you for tuning in to the One Organized Mama podcast. My name is Janelle and I am One Organized Mama. Episode 78, Organizing Your Business through creating systems. So first it must be noted this, that I have only owned service-based businesses. And generally speaking, there are two different types of businesses. There might be more, but for this sake of of argument, there are generally two. The first being a service-based business where you're trading your time for dollars. So you're going out there doing the work and then you're earning dollars for your time, your expertise. There's also product-based businesses where you've created something tangible. That is not in my wheelhouse of expertise. So just, just so you know, going forward, I don't have anything really to say about cost of goods or services or inventory or storage or suppliers or shipping or anything like that. So this isn't what the series is about, but I am going to be doing several different episodes in this series. I'm super excited. I have a lot to talk about. And even though you may be more product-based, I would still encourage you to still listen to these episodes because I think you can still take away a lot because I'm going to be talking very general, non-specific terms. So this isn't just for professional organizers either. This is for anyone in small business. Okay, so let's get started. You may have heard me talk about it before, but a lot of times I've been in, um, so quick note, I've been in small business for 10 years now. And a lot of times when I kind of am feeling beaten down a little bit and struggling or needing some motivation, um, I always go back and read Teddy Roosevelt's um, speech from 1916. I can't think of the name of it because I didn't write it down in my notes. I thought I would remember, but it's not the credit. It's like, it's not the critic who counts or the man in the arena. So there are several passages from this speech that really resonate and I've seen used over and over <clears throat> in the small business world. And while I'm reading them, I always envision a boxing ring for some reason. And so I don't know, first and foremost, before we're going forward, just so you know, I I don't know anything about sports, really. So I may sound kind of silly if you're like a boxing expert. But I think of small business a lot of times as stepping inside that ring. And you have to like, you've been training, you feel pretty ready but there's a lot of self-doubt maybe going inside your brain and then, but you have to present a very confident front and be like, yeah, yeah, I'm totally ready. And like kind of hyped up. And so you get into the ring and you feel like all eyes are on you, fans and critics, and people are able to see your glories and your, you know, your strengths are on display, but also so are your failures and your weaknesses and you fall down And you have to get yourself back up and keep going. So a lot of times that's sometimes how I feel like small business is. And so again, I don't know who this person is, but it's like the person that stands right outside the ring that's like hanging on to the corner. And they're the one when the boxer goes back to his corner, that's like whispering in the boxer's ear, like, like wiping off their sweat and like whispering something. And, And I always envision they're probably whispering like, like motivational things like, um, don't worry about this and, you know, focus on this and don't focus on that and, and kind of like doing that. So the reason I'm telling you this is I'm, I'm going to be that person for you. So if you're in that boxing ring, I'm that person, the trainer slash coach, the guy that like hangs off the corner of the boxing ring. And I'm going to do that by first debunking some very common myths when it comes to small business. Because I know you probably have self-doubt. I know you're probably experiencing imposter syndrome in some form. It's very, very common. 
And it doesn't help when there's just a lot of opinions out there. People tell you their opinions. There's there's a lot of beliefs when it comes to small businesses. And some of those beliefs might be holding you back a little bit. So I want you to get into the fight. I want you to go out there with some gusto and and like, you know, fight the good fight. And yeah, I know you're going to get scraped up and knocked down a little bit, but that's okay. I'm going to, you're going to come back to the corner and I'm going to be like pumping you up and like telling you motivational stuff and tell you what not to worry about and how to handle challenges. So the first myth that I want to debunk is this. You have to have a business degree to start a business. I don't have a business degree. In fact, I went to college on and off for many years. I don't have any degree. And I'm absolutely okay with that. Not a problem at all as far as I'm concerned. And I've started two businesses. Now, on the flip side, I have plenty of friends who have started businesses and who have college degrees. Some even have business degrees. What I will tell you is this. Is it an advantage? I don't know. I don't have a degree, so I don't know if it's an advantage or not. That's probably a very personal decision that you have to make, whether it's worth your time and investment, and also probably on the type of business that you're going to do. But So I'm not discouraging anyone from getting one, but I'm also saying it's not necessarily required either. I mean, when you go down to pay your business license fee, nobody is asking you to show your business degree when you're paying that fee. All they care about is the money. So can you start a business without having a degree? Yes, you can definitely certainly be self-taught. I am honestly self-taught by reading books, listening to podcasts, and online searches. So when I don't understand something, then I do my research and I try to figure it out. And so if you are being told, oh, you can't do this, because it was definitely told to me, still is told to me, um, I'm here to tell you, no, you, it's not an, a requirement of starting a business whatsoever. Okay, the next myth that I want to debunk is you must come from a family that is entrepreneurial or that has started businesses. I had like one uncle <clears throat> who was a business owner, and it wasn't even an uncle that I was that close to, but for the most part, I actually come from like the opposite end of the spectrum where no one I knew was in business. I didn't grow up with kids whose parents were entrepreneurs or small business owners. Definitely, definitely not in my realm. You know, I came from very different, had very different perspectives as a kid. Like for instance, I always thought like if you had a two-story house, you were automatically rich. Like that's what made you rich. Like That was my mindset as a kid. And I will say this. This wasn't in my notes, but I just thought of this um, right before we started, is that what I do look back on my childhood, and I kind of chuckle because I was like a little hustler as a kid. Like, I remember... Being that weird kid that like sold stuff. Like I was always trying to make a book. Like I was always, you know, I definitely did the babysitting and all of that. But I also remember collecting rocks, painting them, putting like googly eyes on them, and then trying to sell them to other kids. Like I was that weird kid. I even went, I remember a step further and I I wish I could remember what this was exactly. But I remember like you kid from like a, a back of a magazine or something, you could get these uh, I don't like a um something to sell magazines or something, and you would just go. Do- I would just go door to door selling magazines to my neighbors. I mean, I talk about like <laughs> having some guts and maybe lacking a little common sense and maybe needing a little bit more parental supervision because not in a million years would I allow my kids to do that. But it was probably definitely in my blood, and it cracks me up because I forget about that stuff. But something was definitely lost along the way. And it wasn't until I was in my mid-30s where I was like, wait, I could start a business because I probably went through the belief system again that you don't come from business people. You don't have this. You don't have that. And it wasn't into my mid-30s where I probably tapped back into that little hustler kid that I was at seven years old trying to make a buck and... uh, Super, super grateful for that. So it was probably somewhere in my blood, and it just took me many years to tap back into it. All right, 
The next myth that I want to debunk is you will be 100% ready. Quite honestly, are you 100% ready about anything in life? Well, you're probably not going to be 100% ready to start business. I worked a full-time job, 40 hours, and it took me over a year to get One Organized Mama up and running. I had a lot of ducks. I had to kind of try to get into a row. And when those ducks were pretty much in a row, like we had a nest egg, which allowed me. So I had to work two jobs in order to be able to save money to make that leap into leaving my full-time job. I had to do it with the motto, failure is not an option. And it took a lot of planning. It took a lot of hard work. It took a lot of tears. It took a lot of time away from my family. But I realized at the time that that was just a season. I was just super compelled and motivated to get it done. I was tired. I was, I've, I've in small business, I've faced times where I literally, my body is so tired and my brain is so wound up that I can't sleep. I, I can't, have, I've had countless nights of that. And so when people tell me like, oh, this was easy or you were lucky, I want to strangle them. And I'm like, you don't know it three o'clock in the morning when I'm just like so wound up because I'm stressed and I'm tired and I'm trying to make it all work and I can't sleep and stuff. Um, But again, that's a season. You're going to go through those tough seasons. You're not going to be 100% ready. And I promise you there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. It will always work out. You just have to keep going. But don't worry about being 100% ready, forget perfection, it definitely doesn't exist. It needs to be a process of progress and you'll get there. I promise you, promise you, promise you, you will get there if you just keep working. All right. The next myth I want to debunk is this, that friends and family are going to celebrate you. They're going to be handing everyone out or your business card out to everyone they know. They're going to use you as the new whatever your business is. They're going to just, you know, follow you. They're going to comment. They're going to share your social media posts. And I'm here to tell you that doesn't happen. And to be 100% honest, this is a very recent um, uh, revelation to myself. This is very recent to me. I just got to the point where I was tired of getting my feelings hurt. I was tired of getting my feelings hurt by my friends and family. And I didn't understand. I was working hard and I know that they were proud of me, but how come they weren't referring me and using me and telling everybody about me? Well, I had to have kind of like a moment where I had to have like an honest talk with myself and I had to say, well, do you do it for them? And I kind of thought and I was like, oh, here we go. Yeah you know what, when I have a friend or family member and they're starting a new venture, I sometimes do kind of shy away from them a little bit for a lot of different reasons. And and one of the big reasons is this. A lot of times when you start in business and you're listening to the marketing gurus and the podcasts and reading the books, they're always talking about your SOI, your SOI, your sphere of influence. Tell everybody, make a list. Make a list of your dentist to the Sunday school teacher, all of your parents' friends, your siblings and their friends, and that's who you market to. No, not everybody wants to be marketed to. People, they don't want to hear about your business, and I don't necessarily want to hear about theirs. When I go and meet a friend for coffee, I want to hear about my friend, and I want to be able to share myself with my friend. And if business happens to come up and that's just one of the avenues that we connect as, you know, maybe we're both small business owners, great. But my friends and family don't love me because I'm one organized mama or I can give them a real estate market update. They love me for being Janelle and I love them for being who they are. And so also my friends like to keep me humble. So I've had to learn. I have amazing friends and I chuckle because... They just, you know, I'll go and be like, hey, so this happened and man, will they kind of like kind of cut me down and keep keeps me uh, my ego in check. <laughs> so and that's OK. I probably do the same for them as well. So it's OK. And I, I think that's the thing is that, again, this is something that's very recent. It's something that I've had to realize, you know what, I do it too, where I don't I don't want to have to 
pimp out my friend or my family member all the time and stuff. Or a lot of times I'm just like, you know what? Hey, uh, I do know someone that does this, but I'm like, it's not going to probably be a very good fit. So I don't necessarily um, recommend everybody because it just, you know, sometimes those situations can get a little sticky. So if you've definitely been in this and stuff, just it's okay. And, and don't worry about just marketing to your SOI all the time. Go find your niche market. That's what you should be doing in business. And I do and will have an episode on marketing in this series. Okay, the next debunked myth is this, that you can't have more than one business at a time. Again, I'm here to tell you, yes, you can. I have two different businesses and I can definitely, I actually need both businesses. And <clears throat> when I started, when I started working into real estate, my, everyone was like, oh, well, so you've completely let one organized mama go. I'm like, no, I just changed it. I just kind of changed my avenue. I'm not working one-on-one with clients anymore. I'm using it more as a teaching platform and I can do both and you can too. And this is another episode we're going to do in the series. So definitely stay tuned. All right, the next myth I'm going to debunk is, and my youngest always says this. I actually think all three of my kids have said this to me, but lately it's been my youngest when I'm like, hey, I I have to go do X, Y, Z. And he's like, well, you don't have a boss. Why do you have to do that? And I'm like, yeah, I do have a boss. I have many bosses. My clients are my bosses. So debunking the myth that when you are in small business that you don't have a boss. Well, technically, yeah, you're not checking in with somebody and punching a time card and then they're paying you a check. No, you definitely go into business and you have, you trade one boss for many different bosses. So even though you get to kind of have some, some, uh, uh, allowance to pick and choose who you want to work with, how you want to work with them and when you want to work with them. But for the most part, you need to make money. So sometimes you're swallowing your pride and you're working with someone that's maybe tough or difficult, and they're definitely dictating to you just like a boss would. All right, the final thing that I wanted to bunk is that um, you it, it's about your work week. That's a 40-hour work week, or it's not a 40-hour work week. Well, here is the thing when it comes to small business, and I will talk about this in this episode a little deeper. But I once heard the saying that people, the entrepreneurs are people who refuse to work 40 hours for someone else. So they work 80 hours for themselves. And that can sometimes be true. Just like I said, definitely gone through seasons and periods of small business where I was maxed out. I was tired. I was trying to make something work. And again, that's a season. So I've had the 80-hour work weeks. Uh, if I don't know how many hours are in a week, but I feel like some days like I've had definitely what <laughs> close to the max where I've gotten up early and I was in bed super late working, working, working. So yes, sometimes it happens. But also the wonderful thing is I've definitely had the seasons where I can take a step back And truth be told, I never have like a zero hour work week, but I'll have like maybe a 12 hour work week. And that's maybe times when I'm on vacation. I am very, I like kind of solo entrepreneur, like kind of being, you know, on it or working with a small team. So I do feel like I have to be very hands-on. So even when when we travel or, um, I'm taking some time off or I have a lot of stuff going on, I'm still kind of checking in with work. So it may not be 40 or 60 or 80 hours, but it's probably more like 12, you know, where I'm checking in one to two hours per day. All right. So those were the myths. So again, I'm that person trying to like to say, hey, look, I know you're hearing this stuff out there, but you know what? This can be done. You can get into that ring and make this thing happen. All right. So let's start talking about systems. Like how do you how do you create a system? Um you definitely need a system to be organized. And again, this isn't just for professional organizers. This is about any type of business that you do. But systems are important to keep us organized or to ha- have us um make progress or meet goals or keep ourselves alive, if you will. And one of the things, the reason I came up with this of how to create a system is this. 
a countless amount of homes that I went to as a professional organizer where people just bought like bins. They just bought bins. Like they went on Instagram and they bought the cool bins that they saw on their favorite person that they follow and their house was not organized. And so I would just come in and I was like the, I was like the, you know, voice of the honest truth that they didn't always want to hear. And I'm like, yeah, these, you can't organize with bins. Bins are tools. Organization happens when you create a system that is combined of habits plus tools. So when you organize your home, you use tools, which may be the cool bins and baskets, but you have to have habits in order to make that system work. So systems are habits plus tools. So you're probably overthinking this already. So let me make this very clear to you what a system is because you already have a lot of systems in your life. You pro- you don't even think about them. You have systems that you don't even think about where you have a habit plus a tool and it creates a system. I know for one that you have a personal hygiene system. Uh And that personal hygiene system consists of a habit and some tools. And that habit is you probably brush your teeth twice a day. That's your habit. It's a habit. You don't think about it. You wake up, you go in, you brush your teeth. And then when you get ready for bed at night, you're probably going and brushing your teeth. Don't even have to think of it. You are also using two tools. You are using a toothpaste and a toothbrush. So that's a system for keeping, you know, your your dental hygienist happy, right? Is a system of personal hygiene. You also have a system if if you're still working a 9 to 5, you have a system to keep your job. You have to get to your job on time. So you have a system, a habit. You get up at the same time. You do certain things in your morning to get yourself prepared for your job and you have to leave at the same time. That's a habit. So you know what time you have to wake up and what time you have to leave your house and you use the tool, the tangible item, which is your car that gets you to work on time. That is a system. You have also, if you want to lose weight, you have a system. So you I know this is something that I've always like, you know, overcomplicate and overthink, but I always have to tell myself, I, if I get into the habit of getting a walk or a run in, which is a habit, I have to actually do something. All I need is a pair of running shoes. That's it. That's my tool. So I, if I am really disciplined and can get out there and do really good, I love to walk. I sometimes enjoy running. If I start to walk and run and I do that consistently, it can help me, you know, on my health journey, my physical well-being, losing weight, whatever my goal is. And you also have a system to get out of debt or to stay out of debt. So your tool is a budget. You have to create a budget. Uh, I don't know about you, but I have a very limited supply of money. So I, I wish it just came in and I didn't ever have to worry about it. But unfortunately, for most of us, we have a finite amount of money that's in our bank account. So we have to create a budget. We have to have something tangible, whether it's digital or paper, that actually lays out what our budget is. And then we have to have habits. And a lot of times those habits are maybe we're just making coffee at home. So maybe we started out the new year and we're like, oh my gosh, look how much money I spend at coffee, buying coffee out. So I need to save that money and make my coffee at home in order to stay on budget because that's definitely a system that you have. So what I want you to do is I want you to think of the same. I want you to start to create systems for your small businesses that you don't even have to think about. The first thing and the most difficult thing to do when it comes to creating any system for most everybody is the time management aspect of it. It's the habits, the things that you're doing with your time. It's something that's completely overthought, overanalyzed. I mean, let's all face it. It's easy to go out and buy the baskets and bins, to buy the toothbrush and toothpaste, to buy the running shoes. That's the easy part, right? It's easy to go find the cute 
you know, running shoes. Um, and the hard part is putting them on and getting your butt out the door to go for a walk or a run. <clears throat> so let's talk about time management because it's the basis of habits. This is how you teach yourself habits. Like I said, you don't have to overthink this. But I teach a time management system with what I call time buckets. So there are seven time buckets, home, work, financial, family, social hobby, quiet time, and then health physical. So the way that I teach my time management system, and if you're interested, go to my website, sign up for the course. It's the time management journal online course, and it comes with printables and walks you through this system. But this is how I want you to think about it. You have 24 hours in a day, right? So you can do this with some paper and pen. So write down 24 hours at the top of your page. Well, we're going to go through all these different buckets. Your first is going to be your health and physical bucket. That's bucket number one. So in your physical and health bucket, you're going to put eight hours for sleeping and one hour for workout. So that's nine hours. So you have things that you're going to do for your health and your physical well-being. The next is perhaps you have six hours allotted for work. So maybe that is four hours for actually working and two hours of travel time. So for the day, you're going to have six hours in your work bucket. The next, you're going to have four hours for family. And this doesn't mean like happy family playing board games. Family is just, you know, maybe it's taking the kids to school. It's getting the kids ready. Maybe it's, you know, taking the baby to the babysitter. It's um, reading with your, you know, four-year-old that struggled, has been struggling in school or whatever it is. It's maybe date night with your husband or whatever, but it's just allotting four hours to your family bucket because, you know, we have, we have families and they, you know, take up time. All right. So then home, that's another bucket. We have stuff that we have to do in our homes. So I want you to go ahead and put two hours into your home bucket. I want you to put one hour into your financial bucket. So that might be like paying bills, working on your budget, um, doing different things that you have to do financially. The next one, social hobby. Maybe you got that one precious hour to go for a walk with a friend around the neighborhood, or you got had one hour in your schedule to stop and meet a friend for coffee during your busy day. Put one hour in your social hobby bucket, and this generally never happens, or at least not in my life, but one hour for quiet time. So you have all of these buckets, and I told you how many hours, it should add up to 24. So how many hours do you have in the day? 24. How much are we all given? 24. So that's how I want you to think about dividing your time when it comes to time management. You have a lot of different areas that are pulling on you. Yes, you might have something else. Trust me, they can fit into one of the buckets. So if you're like, you know, I, I have to get on social media, well, maybe you do it for work, or maybe you do it for social hobby put it in one of your buckets, make some time for it. You can do this. So when you're a small business owner, I want you to now focus on your work bucket. So that's the first bucket that we're really going to focus on. And I allotted you six hours for your work bucket. The next, the very first step, actually, when you have your time buckets, I want you to take your time bucket. So it's your work bucket. And again, you can do this with just a pen and paper. It'll make a little bit more sense if you do the online course, because like I said, I have everything in like printables, but you can certainly just do this again with just pen and paper. I just want you to write on the next page work bucket. And I want you to do a brain dump. Like a, I call it brainstorming, but I'm more I talk about, it, I think it's actually more of a brain dump and you're just getting everything out of your head. I want you to do this weekly especially when you're in small business. There's so many things that you have to do. I just want you to get it out of your head and onto paper. Once you've done that, the next step is prioritization. And you can do one of two things. You can either list out the priorities, the things that are priorities to you, or you can circle them or you can number them, whatever. But I want you to look at all of the things that you got out of your head and onto paper and then I just want you to prioritize what's most important and do that on a weekly basis. When I teach the time management course, I have everyone do the brainstorming about monthly, 
But when you're a small business owner, you need to really stay on top of your to-do list and what your priorities are. So do this weekly. All right, so now you have everything prioritized. So maybe you have to you know, contact this client, you have this going on, you need to go down and, and, and pay for this business license or whatever. You might have different things that have to get done this week. The next step is daily planning. I want you to plan every single day. Now, again, when I teach the time management course, I generally tell people, don't worry, you don't have to say like nine to 9.15, I'm going to eat a bowl of oatmeal. You don't have to be like that. But my small business owner friends out there, yeah, I kind of do want you to be almost that specific. And here's why. When you are in small business, a lot of times small business will either completely take over your life and just infiltrate every area of your life where you feel like people can't even stand being around you because you're on your phone the whole time, your phone is ringing or texting, or you completely lose track and focus of your small business because you're so wrapped up into your life, you're not making enough time for your business. So I I do sometimes feel like, again, depending on the season that you are, it kind of sometimes goes one way or the other. So if you are in small business, I actually want you to be a little bit more discerning and specific about your time frames. I want you to assign times to your business. I'm going to give you an example of what I have done recently with my times. So, and again, if you've listened to one thing, just side note, one thing I've learned about having a podcast is that as I'm going along the podcasts, um, my life changes. And um, for instance, like, and then I'm surprised, wow, people actually listen to my podcast. And then I realized like in earlier episodes, I'll say something and then it doesn't even, people always point that out to me like, well, you said in one of your first episodes this. I know I did. My life changes. This is a learning curve for me too. Like, so I have said in previous episodes, like I get up at 530 and I try to get out and exercise first thing. Well, I will tell you recently, I've actually had to change that a little bit. And for a lot of different reasons, what I was really finding was when I first woke up in the morning, my brain was kind of like, ooh, on alert. And I felt really creative and inspired and motivated to work. So I actually switched it up a little bit. And I actually focus on work from about 6 a.m. until about 8 a.m. And also my husband's schedules change a little bit too. So it's not um, contingent upon me to get our youngest out the door and off to school. So he's able to step in a little bit for that. And so I use the hours of 6am to 8am for really kind of organization. I have like a list of daily to do's that I do for both businesses. So I kind of go through and it's sort of like an organization time, even though I have a set list, like go through emails, um, one marketing activity, um, trying to think, oh, I have like a current project. I work for both businesses. Like I try to focus on like, if it's in Canva, I'm going to do one page a day, that type of thing. So I do have a list of to do's that I do. And I take about two hours in the morning just to kind of work through my list of stuff. Sometimes I get through all of it. Sometimes I don't. It's okay. But for the most part, at least I'm kind of, I know what to do when I'm sitting down at my desk at 6am. I have a list And if my brain is a little foggy that morning, I just start with number one on the list and work my way down. So have something where you just kind of do daily activities, have a time frame. So maybe that's first thing in the morning. Maybe that's after the kids go to school, or maybe that's in the evening. Again, one of the beauties about having your own business is that you can kind of set your time where you do your daily activities. Now, the next thing from about 8 to 9.30 usually is my <clears throat> shower time and or depending on my day, going to the gym time. So this is where I've switched it up a little bit. Um, I have some amazing friends that are like Zumba, um, just amazing in Zumba. So they've gotten me into a Zumba class and usually it's like 9.15 to 10.15. So if I am on a Zumba day, it gives me an opportunity to eat breakfast, get ready for the gym, go to Zumba, and then come home. Now, I also, so from 9.30 to 2.30 is also sort of my time for clients. So I try not to book anything between 2.30 and 4.30 for clients. 
And this has actually worked really well for me for both businesses because it's, it is important for me to at least be home when my kids are home. Again, my workday starts at 6 a.m. So I don't want anyone out there being like, well, you're lucky. No, I'm not lucky. I start my workday at 6 a.m. when a lot of people are still sleeping. So this allows me to free up two hours in my afternoon just to get my head together just to be able to like when my kids walk through the door, I'm able to like kind of go through whether, you know, homework or projects or, you know, just getting ready for the evening. Now, a lot of days, depending on our family schedule, I can free up my schedule again from about 4.30 to about 7 p.m. So if somebody needs me for work, um, then I can open up my schedule back at that time. Now, is this something that I tell my clients? No, this is something that I'm telling you as fellow business owners. For instance, think about the people that you hire, other small business owners that you hire to come into your life. You're the HVAC people, the plumber. Um, if you have someone clean your home, they generally tell you when they're available and they don't generally tell you why. And you probably don't want to know why. I think Recently, I had someone that was in my house who was like TMI guy, like way too much information about why he was available and when. I don't I don't really know. I just need like this thing fixed. Just show up when you're available, fix it. And you know, that's it. Like so generally your clients aren't wanting to know why you're available and they just want to know when you're available. So again, you can kind of arrange your schedule to work the best for you. I also have a lot of friends that are more night owls. And it works really, really well for them to do their sort of organization and or daily time after their kids go to bed or after things sort of quiet down in their evening. And that's when they feel the most motivated or ready to do it. You kind of have to to figure it out for yourself. But I will say, definitely as a small business owner, you need to kind of map out your time like that. So time management. Listen to that over and over if you need to, like take a pen and paper, listen to what I said to kind of map that out. That's very important when it comes to time management. I am such a, this is my biggest soapbox is time management. Okay, so now we're going to just talk a little bit. I'm just going to give you a few tips as we kind of end out this episode in just different types of systems that all businesses have. And again, some of these I'm going to go into a little bit more detail and depth on later episodes. But first and foremost, if you're in business, you have clients, right? You have clients, you have customers. Again, this is a little bit different versus um, product-based versus service-based. Our service-based businesses, it's pretty important to keep a client database. I'm not sure if that's something that product-based businesses do per se. Like I, I know they do marketing and Maybe they they um, loop you into their email campaigns and things like that, but they're not really following up with you. When you're selling your, or <laughs> sounds so bad, selling your time, when you're trading your time for dollars, um, then you, and you are sort of the product, <laughs> then you probably need to keep a database of your clients that you're staying in regular touch with. And this doesn't necessarily mean just marketing, even though it is definitely an element of marketing. So you don't have to go out. It doesn't matter what business you're in. I have done this for both types of my businesses, which are very different from each other. And that is you already probably have the tool, an Excel spreadsheet or a Google Google Doc. And I forget, I think it's called Pages in Google. So if you're not sure, I think a lot of people are pretty familiar with Google. If you have a Gmail account for your business, you go up and there's like nine dots. You click on them on the upper right and it'll say like pages. It's like green. I click on it and it's pretty much like Excel. So what I do is I actually prefer to use the Google version of this. So I have a Gmail um, account for both businesses. And what I like about the Google Sheets, um, number one, it, it just keeps it simple. I can share it um, with people if I have a small team or something. It's pretty easy to access and share. But also, it's just part of my daily to-dos when I go into my emails. And then I just remember I automatically go in um, after I kind of clean out emails, organize them in the mornings. And then I go into Google Docs and I go and I simply update it with just clients. <clears throat> so for instance, if the day before... 
I have like an in-person visit with a client. I'll go in. I have all the client's information as far as just like their name and, you know, some notes about them. And then I'll change the date. And then I have a color-coded system that I use. So on the very bottom, I know what the colors mean. So pink is for an in-person visit. Like I met them in person. Um, Yellow is if I've had some kind of correspondence with them, like text, email, phone call, it's yellow. Um, If I sent them some information, it's orange. And so what I do is I just go and highlight that row with the client's name and then change the color. So for instance, if it was, if I saw them yesterday, then I'm going to highlight that row pink and then I'm going to go in and I'm just going to change the date. So I know on February 16th um, that I had an in-person visit with this person because especially if you have a lot of clients and it it also kind of impresses clients when you're like, oh, well, when I saw you back on the 16th, they're like, they're pretty impressed that you remember that. And it's just a way for you to keep it kind of organized. And you can also go in and I create a section for just notes where I was like, you know, um, uh, just found out they're expecting, you know, baby number two, um, husband just, you know, applied for a promotion, just something that kind of like helps me remember about them. So, because again, a lot of times I have a pretty good memory. I love people. So when people tell me their stories, I have one of those brains that just like is like a sponge. And I remember a lot of weird random details about people. But once in a while, I'll, I'll forget or I'll get confused and mistake people. So it's also good to just kind of go back and refresh my memory and be like, oh, you know, what's the latest with the job promotion or whatever, you know, whatever note that I put in there. And so just a way to just kind of like keep tabs, especially as your business grows and you get a lot of different clients. And it's also will definitely come in handy when it comes to the marketing part. But again, just a way to keep it. You already have this. It's free. Um, Like I said, you can do it in Excel. You could probably do it like with a Word document, I would imagine. You can do it writing down in a notebook Um, But basically just have a system where you're keeping track of your clients. All right, the next one is money. Here is where you should be paying some fee for some program. Um, Again, uh, I do a lot of coaching on this. And even with friends that are in small businesses, I am surprised at how many people they'll pay like gobs and gobs of dollars for different things, but they won't invest in organizing their money. Um, I know there's a lot, there's like um, HoneyBook, there is, um, of course, QuickBooks out there. I always just did QuickBooks. Um, I actually helped my a family member with like a transportation slash trucking business a few years ago, kind of help get set up and QuickBooks, you know, worked really well for that type of business. It also was something that worked really well with One Organized Mama. I'm not endorsing them. I don't get anything from them. Like I said, I know a lot of people (laughs) have different opinions about the different um, programs that are out there and stuff. But for the most part, you want something to organize your finances. And yeah, you could probably do it with an Excel spreadsheet and all of that. I'm not that person. Um, I need... I need something where it's going to create an invoice. It's going to keep track of payments. It's a point of sale where they can make payments. They can pay an invoice online. Um, And it just is kind of like all in one place. And then I can just like print something out and hand it to my tax person at the end of the year. So definitely invest in something that is keeping track of your money. Now, this is something I've been preaching about to a lot of my uh, coaching clients and be careful with all the apps out there. Uh, these people, these, these are not dum-dums out there. They know what y'all are doing and they don't want you using them for small business. They want their cut. And as we've all seen recently, they're getting savvy. And if they feel like you're running payments without collecting money for your business, they're going to, you're going to have run into issues. So definitely take the time to read the fine print. I know a lot of uh, people out there use them because they're like, well, my clients have them and I don't want to say no. Well, uh, when you're in small business, I have pretty much everything. I have everything and I try to do it the legit way because I don't want 
you know, to have like a big payment get caught up because I didn't read their terms of service or something. So be very, very careful on the different types of apps that you're using to collect money. Um, Make sure that you're just in compliance with them. You don't want to get into any kind of financial um, snafu with any of them. Okay, so the next one that I want you to consider was with marketing. There are some things that I am going to talk about marketing in an episode, so I'm not going to go into great detail on this, but consider email. I like the email marketing. It's a great way to organize just email addresses to kind of shoot information out to your client base pretty easily. Um, MailChimp is one that I've used. I know there's also constant contact. Again, I don't get any money from them. these folks. In fact, I'm paying them to use their services and programs. But definitely you want something to keep track of your marketing. And also on the sign of mark or on the topic of marketing, consider creating like a content calendar. You can find these out there. They're all over like Etsy and Pinterest. You can just create one. Um, Again, I'm just like a paper and pen girl. So I just have a notebook that I use for my content. But that way, you know, like what your content is for the month. It's kind of a fun way to kind of keep things organized. You know what social media posts that you're going to be doing and and using that. And also on marketing Canva. I mean, if you have been living under a rock and you don't know about Canva, it's a great way to just kind of like also organize your marketing and creating folders for different things and stuff and being super creative. I'm not that creative of a person, but I love Canva and I have a lot of fun with it. And lastly, and most importantly, and for a lot of this, your home, because I know you're going to say I'm working from home and my home is driving me nuts. And I want to talk just the last few minutes about organizing your home when it comes to small business. First and foremost, I want you to have a separate space. I want you to really like have like this, these lines of demarcation between your home and your business. I am fortunate enough to actually have an office space in my current home. So I want this to be so clear to everyone in your family that when they see you sitting in this space or when they see you pull out your laptop or whatever, that when they come and approach you, you can shoot them a look that stops them in their tracks. That's how defined I want you to make your space when it comes to your small business. Uh, This made me kind of think of this. I have a friend who doesn't own a small business. And this is a friend that I've had to tell many, many times, like she works full time outside of her home. And she is someone that just honestly doesn't get it. She just sees me at home. So she's always asking for favors. And so I'm like, I'm working. And she's like, yeah, but you're at home. I'm like, I'm working from home. That is my job. Just because I don't go outside to an office doesn't make it and mean it's any less important than the work that you do when you go to your office. And so it's okay to have those boundaries and those lines of demarcation when it comes. You want it to stop people in their tracks like as if they were opening the door to your place of business. You know, I want them to treat it like that, like really have it defined where they understand this is your time, this is your business, and it is important that they accept it and take it seriously. That being said, when it comes to your home, you're going to have a lot of distractions. Some people can work from home. I love working from home, but I also am pretty organized and disciplined with my time management. And so, like I said, I definitely have time when I'm working and I have time when I'm off work. So my family definitely knows that. Um, A way to keep your kind of mind focused on work is to like I said, have a very clear space, have your work stuff be very separate from your personal items, like have your work bills be separate from your personal bills. But also, it's okay to one thing I do love is that I can like kind of when I need to step up from my desk or do some stuff, I kind of implement some chores. And so one of the things that I encourage everyone to do with keeping up their home is assign everyone in your family a daily three. 
So daily, three daily chores that everyone is responsible for every single day. So for me, it is make my bed, one load of laundry, and to get into my kitchen and clean it at one point during my day. My <clears throat> kids are assigned different things. So everybody just knows, you know, it's like take out the trash, um, feed the dog, walk the dog. <clears throat> and those are just three things like before they can ask for electronics or whatever, did you do your things, your things today? The other thing that I do is then at some point during our day, for us, it's after dinner, I gather everyone in the family and we do our 20 minute tidy. So this is where paperwork's put away, backpacks are put away, <clears throat> all that stuff that gathers up during the day, everything's kind of put away, tidied, floors are swept, and we just sort of work together as a team to tidy up the house. And last thing. If you have children, they must have chores, bottom line. And I don't know where on earth we got away from like feeling bad giving our kids chores. Like I'm total Gen X, latchkey kid, (laughs) grew up, and I was pretty much my parents' like cleaning lady, free babysitter, and personal assistant growing up. Like I just kind of knew that like I had chores. I didn't dare ask to go outside and play on a Saturday morning because I knew Saturday mornings we had to clean the house. And so for some reason, we've gotten a lot away from that. And I'm definitely guilty of that in in certain regards and stuff. But my kids have always had chores. My oldest, even though he serves us proudly in the United States military, when he comes home, he still complains when I'm like, all right, everyone, let's clean the kitchen. Let's do our tidying up. He still has chores when he comes to my home. So give your kids chores. Use them like your little personal assistants around your house. Builds character. Nothing wrong with it. All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the One Organized Mama podcast. It's been super fun as always. I hope I've motivated you. I hope I've maybe given you a little bit of relief. I hope I've, you know, given you some things to just stop, let go of the stress. I want you to step inside that ring. I want you to do what you feel called to do and step inside and just, you know, get in there and hyped up about your small business. So stay tuned for more episodes on this topic. I'm still kind of working them out. I've, you guys should see my desk right now. I have so many brainstorming notes about this. It's actually been kind of hard to um, whittle it down. All right. Again, if you have any questions, um, feel free to reach out. You can follow me on Instagram at oneorganizedmama, oneorganizedmama at gmail.com. And if you're interested in that time management course, head to my website. It's super easy to sign up and you get all kinds of printables and nobody sees you. It's not a Zoom. It's at your own pace kind of course. And you can go back and listen to the videos um, that are pre-recorded over and over. So oneorganizedmama.com. All right, guys, until next time, thanks for listening to this episode of the One Organized Mama podcast.